Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Headstock with me, Lane Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today is a globally renowned thought leader and a leading expert on hospitality, marketing and branding. His award-winning research has appeared in top publications, including the Harvard Business Review, the Journal of Marketing and MIT Sloan Management Review. This is a continuation of our series on the effects of the pandemic on the leisure, tourism and travel industry. My guest will provide great insights as he has worked in the hospitality sector in academia and has lectured to representatives from some of the world's biggest brands. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Bird Capital. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Professor Chekitan S. Dev is an award winning professor of marketing and a professor of management at Cornell University. His latest role is the Singapore Tourism Professor in Asia Hospitality Management. He's currently based in the US, but has worked extensively across the globe in a number of geographical regions. In receipt of a plethora of awards for his work and research, Professor Dev frequently engages with leaders and heads in the corporate world, governments and their representatives, legal and private equity organizations, and large and well-known hotel chains as a consultant, keynote speaker, workshop facilitator. In 2010, he was selected as one of the top 25 most extraordinary minds in hospitality, travel, and tourism sales and marketing. Professor Dev is currently a member of the International Society of Hospitality Consultants and is a sought-after commentator on hospitality trends. He has been interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, The Economist, Time, Newsweek, Businessweek, the International Herald Tribune, and NBC Nightly News, to name a few. So we are absolutely delighted to have him here today at Heads Talk. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Professor Dev to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here. Delighted to be with you. I must admit, I- I'm taken aback by some of the organizations and publications where you have provided your insights, but at the same time, extremely glad that you are here today with us at Heads Talk to contribute to this series on the effects of COVID on the hospitality industry with a marketing angle. Okay, let's start with the first general marketing question. How has marketing, market strategies, and marketing programs been hit as a result of the pandemic? And what does a CMO do with a year or so of global lockdown? On the one hand, nothing has changed because the principles are still the principles. So the fundamentals of marketing excellence are still very much in place. Mm -hmm. The sense everything has changed because the way the market has changed and the way customers are reacting uh, have made CMOs think, rethink their marketing strategies and maybe reassign some of their investments. I'll give you a couple of examples. So in the hospitality business, for many years, we moved to sort of a hyper-global mode, and that is individual companies, brands, properties, searching the world for their next traveler. And we move very quickly from a hyper-global to a hyper-local world. 
where the only business to be had, whether you're in Northern Europe or East Asia or South America was hyper-local, is looking for people within driving distances uh, that would come and, you know, if, if laws allowed them to be, uh, to be customers. And then the second thing would be go from a hyper-social mode. So hospitality businesses over the last few years has been a lot of time creating social settings for their customers, is enabling customers to connect with one another. And mm -hmm. as soon as COVID hit, we went from a hyper-social to a hyper-solo world where individuals were either wanted to isolate by themselves or with their close members of their family or their pod, as it's sometimes referred to. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, what CMOs have had to do is, while they still follow the fundamentals of marketing, is reassign some of their marketing investments to mm -hmm. slightly different asset classes. Let's go into more detail now. I mean, you I, I thought you'd be broad to start off with, but you did sort of hit some detail points, which is great. Let's go into some more, more detail. Let's go deeper now. And um, one of the things you like to talk about is brand identification and management. Um, as well as brand creating an emotional bond with its customer. If customers through something as disastrous as this pandemic completely change what they prioritize and need from uh, the provider, how fast must this brand story change to number one, continue to appear authentic and two, discard the current strategy, not principles, the current strategy. Note this strategy has been marketed by the organization for some time as the way to be. Now it's obsolete. Elaborate on this to my listeners. How do brands be current and not be unwanted in, a, in the hospitality space? Great, I'd be glad to. So as I teach my students at Cornell and also the executives I work with is today in order to be a great brand, you have to follow essentially five principles. And coincidentally, the five principles spell the word brand. So the B in brand is bold. So as the market is shrunk with COVID and as fewer and fewer uh, customers are being chased by more and more brands that are being created, mm -hmm. a, a, a great brand has to be a bold brand. Mm -hmm. Brand has to be relevant. So mm -hmm. the open brand is relevant as in making sure that the companies have sort of sharpened their relevance to their customers, make sure that they're more relevant today than they were yesterday. And signaling that as a brand is important. The mm -hmm. A in brand is authentic. Is, you know, fakery is out, reality is in. Uh, it's those brands that are truly authentic to their purpose, truly authentic to what they do and who they are, are the ones that are going to win. N is novel. You know, people like to see innovation. People like to see novelty. People like to see things that brands are doing that wasn't the same they were doing yesterday. Mm -hmm. and letting people know what are some of the new features, amenities, benefits a brand has to offer becomes key. And then D in brand is distinct, is in an increasingly crowded brand world. Mm -hmm. Those brands that are truly distinct in what they do and how they do it are the ones that are going to win. Mm -hmm. So... But where, where's the focus of, of brand marketing in the hospitality sector since the advent of the pandemic? And, and how is this being communicated? So one of the challenges with the pandemic is because people haven't consumed the product for a while, they not only lose touch with brands, they also lose touch with the category. So one of the things I'm telling companies is in order to come back to 
what is now being used as a benchmark, 2019 levels, is brands need to be thinking as much about category marketing as much as they need to think about brand marketing. So giving people and why, you know, business travel, in-person business connections, mm-hmm. leisure travel, meeting friends, meeting family, meeting strangers mm-hmm. for the first time is an important and a life-affirming activity. So that's one uh, for the for the moment in the foreseeable future, it's all local all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that the focus is on your local market, which I would say a lot of brands have ignored, a lot of properties have ignored. Uh, it's going back to traditional channels that we had abandoned because of the promise of new media and social media. Mm-hmm. Focusing on brand standards and making sure that whatever is your conveying is, again, as I said earlier, relevant and authentic. And then obsessively staying on brand, making sure that every single step in the customer's journey has to be on brand and not off brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we have to talk about the digital revolution and the role digitalization is playing in this space. You, you briefly touched upon it. Um, how is this revolution not only impacting, but also completely changing brand management and approaches? You know, the need to constantly on all the social media's channels. And also has the digitalization drive automated areas of marketing um, and, and thus reduced the need for marketing specialist intervention? It was just wondering actually, is this a side problem for marketing gurus? So first a fact and then the fear. So the fact is for many businesses today, over 50% of their marketing investments are invested in digital. The fear is that many marketing executives who are brought up in the marketing business over the last 10, 20, 30 years really don't know that much about digital, how it works, what works. And so there's a lot of learning going on for people that grew up in the, in the what I call the old marketing world to come to terms with a new marketing world. And one of the things, one of the ways in which digital marketing scares a lot of people is what I call the tyranny and the misery of choice. So it's a tyranny because there are so many permutation combinations how to employ or invest your digital assets that trying to sort through all of those options is uh, intimidating at, at best. So mm-hmm. trying to figure out you know, what balance, for example, at a very fundamental level, think about the primary balance is old media, new media, traditional channels, legacy channels, and then new channels. How do you balance them? How do you create a balanced portfolio? And then within each of those subsets, how do you create a portfolio of channels that are collectively going to deliver whatever it is that, you, uh, that you're looking for? Mm. In terms of direct impact on marketing, think about just three or four areas. You know, big data, sometimes what is sometimes referred to as A-B testing, yeah. intelligence, machine learning, and maybe augmented reality. So digital, the g- digitization of our world, of digitization of business mm-hmm. has created opportunities for where there were a lot of uh, sort of manual or traditional ways of managing marketing are now being automated. And so part of the challenge and the opportunity for CMOs for the months and years ahead is what parts of marketing can be automated and can be more efficiently delivered than the old ways and what parts need to be kept sort of in the old way where you need a lot of, uh, you know, human insight and intellect to be able to execute those tasks. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just wondering, what are the, um, you know, the old traditional marketeers, traditional market professionals, what are the main things they say a concern for them? So the way, the biggest concern to me, if I could pick one, would be attribution. And that is, we're not quite sure what the link is between a specific marketing initiative and the outcome. And then consequent to that is right. what I call OMI, which is return on marketing investment, is how do we actually measure what our marketing investments are returning? And how do we do it in a much more precise way? It's never going to be a math problem, but we need to do a lot better at getting a sense of which investments are paying off and or not, so be able to better allocate our marketing investments across different, I call them asset classes. So these are basically different marketing initiatives in different proportions. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And um, let's continue with the theme of change because digitalization is change and, and look at the consumers, in particular their behavior. How has consumer behavior changed during the pandemic? if you want to perhaps talk about a trend of change that's happening and what is the impact on branding and marketing strategies going forward are these behavioral changes temporary um what approaches have lost out in the marketing and branding as a result of the the pandemic or current trends and can you provide examples so i'll give you a short term and slightly longer term consumer Mm -hmm. trend so the short term is the consumer consumers are still a little scared, a little skeptical about businesses that, you know, travel industry or otherwise, are they ready? Are they prepared? Are they doing the kinds of things that they need to do in order for the traveler to be safe? So part of the short-term reaction is unless the customer is told fairly specifically, what are the kinds of things that the business is doing to prepare for the arrival and Mm -hmm. to prepare for Mm -hmm. the experience, uh, that uh, needs to be done on a, on a slightly longer term. And this has been happening for a while and it's really been sort of amplified during the pandemic is customers in my business moving from being rule takers to becoming rule makers. So in the old way, in the old world, you know, ho- hospitality businesses like hospital businesses told the customer what to do and we just did it. Mm-hmm. Today, we're becoming much more expert, we're much more traveled, we're much more experienced. And so we're looking to move the locus of control away from the operator towards the consumer. We wanna be able to tell them how to create the experience that suits our purpose more specifically than maybe what they had in mind in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to um, read a brief statement and I'd like you to talk around this. Um, Once again, I think you mentioned it when you were in your last answer. It's about the customer positioning. How true is this now? And can you provide examples? Okay, the statement, and I quote, previously, customers must sit at the heart of your marketing strategy. And now customers must sit at the heart of your customer journey. What does this mean and, and how true is it? So I would address this in uh, two different ways. I would say that the, uh, you know, marketing for the last 60 years, at least even longer, has followed sort of the canon of the four Ps. That's sort of one of the, one of the deeply embedded concepts in marketing and the four Ps stand for product, price, place, and promotion. So think about post-World War II, 
where typically in a lot of markets, demand exceeded supply. There was not enough to go around and the marketing manager was in control. The CMO mm-hmm. was in control. So we decided how many units of a product or service to allocate and to whom. And so clearly the focus there was on what I call the inside out approach. And that is let's decide on which products to offer, what price to charge, what mm-hmm. promotion to execute and what channels of distribution to use. Mm-hmm. We're from that to an outside-in approach. And that is to say, let's move from a customer or a company-oriented marketing strategy to a customer-oriented marketing strategy, as you said, uh, in the Mm -hmm. heart of the customer journey, and thinking about the four elements of the what is referred to as the marketing mix in four different ways. So instead of product, I tell my students, you need to think about solutions, is think about the problems your customer is facing during all steps of that journey and think about solutions you can offer that is at on par with or even better than the competition. Mm-hmm. This element is instead of promotion, I think of information. Uh, it's a truism now that drowning in deals, drowning in promotion, but start for information. Successful smart companies understand what the customer needs today is good information and let them make the decision based on information and not inundate them with all kinds of deals. Mm-hmm. In terms of pricing, moving from a pricing focus, which is the inside out, to a value focus, which is the outside in, is really understand the value that your service or experience is delivering to your customers and break that down into tangible value components like price, but also Mm -hmm. price elements of value, such Mm -hmm. as time and hassle and energy factor. So really focusing on value. And then A is moving from a place orientation to an access orientation. Talk about omni-channels, online, offline, bricks and mortar, e-commerce, is think about the ways in which the customer during their journey wants to access your service. I'll give you a quick example. So it took hotels, for example, a very long time to understand that the that the really way customers wanted to access their service was text messaging back and forth instead of picking up the house phone. Right? That was an archaic way of they want to be able to access your service and your team anywhere, anytime. And enabling people to do that and using access mm-hmm. as you think, as opposed to place becomes a way to think about. And then the one, one thing I'm going to finish with is if these are the means, the ends are really thinking about the four steps in the marketing process. Later on, I can elaborate on these. And that is, I talked about first principles. It's still about the four things. It's still about the four buckets in which CMOs need to invest their marketing dollars. It's acquisition, mm-hmm. satisfaction, it's retention, and it's advocacy. That's it, right? Four things. So the question of CMO has to ask themselves is, how am I dividing up my marketing budget into making sure that I have the best possible customers walk in the front door, they're happy when they're there, they're coming back, and they're telling the world about it. Mm-hmm. Well, while I, while I totally understand this being a, a positive move, for a customer, uh, if I put myself in the customer space and the customer journey, um, is this good in in the marketing space and uh, uh, marketing professionals? Is is this a good move or is it much more challenging for them? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Could you repeat that, please? Yes, of course I will. Uh, when we talk about customer journey, how we, we're changing from just marketing strategies to customer journey, and and I, as a customer, I can understand now you're looking at how things are done for me. You're looking at the steps I take. You're looking at the solutions for me. When prior, you you had products and you put prices to them and where we're gonna place them, where we're gonna promote them. 
surely now it's a lot more complicated, a lot more challenging for marketing professionals and, and marketing departments to get their heads around managing things through a customer journey rather than just the old way of having a marketing strategy and putting it out there. Yes, thank you. So a couple of reactions to that. So one of the ways and one of the things that scares marketing people that grew up with me, you know, I, I got my first marketing job 40 years ago. Yeah. In 40 years ago, marketing used to be more sequential, as in you thought of a marketing initiative, you executed and got a reaction. Today, marketing is a lot more simultaneous, as in things are happening all at the same time. So you have to sort of be able to make your adjustments and your adaptations okay. in real time. The other thing is to think about this idea that, you know, marketing used to be a monologue. You spoke to the market and hopes you listened and reacted. Now we have an ongoing dialogue, especially. So think about the customer not only trying to co-create or co-craft the journey at every step, second guessing your, yeah. you know, ostensibly well thought out journey for me. And I'm saying, no, 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 I don't want to go this way. I want to go this way, the other way. And here's what I want to change along the way in the different steps. So being able to, in real time, yeah. be able to offer an excellent experience, I think it becomes the biggest challenge. And, and marketing people are used to being in control. They're not used to giving yeah. up control. And that to me is the biggest, yes, yeah. the biggest change. I sort of imagine that. It must be sort of a bit of a headache. Um, okay, I've got a, forward, a straightforward question now. Um, art and science, how much of marketing is an art and or a science? So I, I created an acronym just for you. And then <laughs> marketing is a SCART. And that is, it's a little bit of both. And I use the acronym SCART only, or, or actually the, the word SCART as an amalgam of science and art because in that order precisely. And so while marketing was mostly an art, when I started the business 40, 50 mm -hmm. years ago, today it is much more of a science than an art. In fact, I would say there are still it's still both those things, but if I was to pick a sequence, there's a lot more emphasis today on science and a lot less on art. As in art is still important, creativity, innovation, new ideas, but what we're doing is we're saying, let's test to see which one's working. Let's sort of on an ongoing basis, apply some scientific principles to marketing to make sure that the investments you're making of our investors' money is well-placed. Mm -hmm. So do you feel that the pendulum has swung more towards the science now than the art in, in today's world? Yes, as I would say, you know, uh, several decades ago, it was mostly art, a little bit of science. Today, it's a lot more science and a lot less art. Again, art being important, but I'd say it, marketers today need to be thinking about validated art, as mm -hmm. in we've got these ideas, but we want to make sure that if we apply some scientific principles to them, they will in fact bear fruit. And that's a big, been a big change. Mm -hmm. um, I can ask a, a sort of sub-question to that, but I'm going to put it into the, the next question. It's a, it's a fascinating last question. And it came about um, after my conversation with the CEO of TUI when he talked about mass individualization. I, I want to talk about the, the future of marketing in, in this space. Um, is there a drive to a more individualized marketing strategy and no more 
pick from a predefined selection, instead tailor an offering to exactly what the customer wants. And the sub-questions to that would be, how challenging is this to make this transition? And what would the future of marketing and brand positioning look like? So I'll start with a, uh, a saying that one of my colleagues at Cornell used one time in a class. He said, you know, if you try to be all things to all people, you usually end up being everybody's second choice. Mm. So one of the drivers of moving to this mass individualization or mass customization approach mm. is really to think about what every single customer wants. That, that is hard because you know easy marketing, lazy marketing, I sometimes say is just doling out the same thing to everybody. That's very easy to do. We can all go work on our golf games. <laughs> part is how do you find a way to tailor approaches to individual customers? Now, thankfully for us, with technology, with analytics, uh, with uh, computing power, mm -hmm. we have tools at our disposal that where we can automate, to your earlier question, we can automate this matching between yep. solution offerings and customer problems, is how can we much more precisely tailor a solution to a problem being faced. And I use the term problem generically. It's, you know, it's sometimes a good problem. It doesn't have to be a bad problem. So that's the first thing to think about. That's scary to do because mm. marketers are used to just, you know, putting out whatever they have on offer and hoping somebody will buy it. Being precise in the offering. The payoff though, is if more and more customers are engaged with the brand, that's more beneficial. Uh, again, back to an earlier point, you know, marketers like to be in control. And one of the biggest challenges we have today is how do we cede control to the marketplace by, for example, paying attention to what people are posting on social media. So the, the marketplace is taking control of our business, taking control of our brands, and we have to find a way to find a new balance between how much control we want to exercise and how much control we want to cede to customers who are looking to shape the experience to their needs and their problems. Um, do you think marketing professionals of the future need to be more, you know, sort of less creative and artistic and innovative, but more a specialist on analytics and AI and all that? So the marketing professional of the future, that, as I teach in my classes, really has to do, try to do it all. And that is, I'll give you kind of a few building blocks. So creativity is never going to go away. Finding interesting ways to address customer problems is always been important, will always be important. Thinking outside the box, thinking outside the square, coming up with new and uh, revolutionary ideas. The second piece of this is, more, is becoming more important, as I mentioned, and that is so while creativity is an important pillar for the future marketing, analytics, mm -hmm. the second important pillar. And part of analytics has to do with being able to Take your creative ideas, but implement them in efficient and effective ways. So whether it's using artificial intelligence, machine learning, augmented realities, how do you take the how do you take the analytics portion, both in terms of the computation and the technology, and really take your creativity and bring it to life? And then in the end, it's really about problem solving. So that's something that's you know millennia old, and that is in the end marketers have to find new and better ways to solve customer problems. And so 
a clever combination of creativity and analytics, along with all the tools at our disposal, is going to be kind of the, uh, mm. the box of the marketer of tomorrow. So is, is the future bright for marketing professionals? It is, you know, Elaine, I mean, uh, it's always been important. I like to tell my colleagues at Cornell that uh, in any business, every other department is a cost center. Marketing is the only one that's the revenue center. We make money, help companies make money. Everybody else helps mm -hmm. companies spend money, mm -hmm. human resources and so on, operations. And so it's always going to be important. In fact, I believe marketing is the one task in a company that is going to be the last one to outsource because a, a marketing will always be the core capability, the core competence of any company. You know, Peter Drucker said to us half a century ago that there are really only two tasks of a company and that is to get and keep customers. That's marketing's job one is getting and keeping customers is going to be, has always been important, is important today, will always be important. It's just finding new and interesting ways to do that mm -hmm. is what keep marketing people on their toes. Mm -hmm. and, and working with whatever the developments are in that space to, to meet. Yes, being very nimble, as, as they yes. say in the, in the boxing world, you can be on your heels. You have to be on your toes because if you get, if you're on your heels, you get knocked over, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be leaning back. You got to lean forward. You got to be on your toes and you got to be agile and moving all the time because, you know, there, it's, it's a windy road ahead mm -hmm. and being able to take those, take those turns, uh, you know, yeah, no. adaptively uh, is going to be very critical. I think it would be interesting to see what it would look like in sort of 20 years time. I think a very fascinating conversation. And I hope my, my listeners enjoyed as much as I have. Professor and Deb, many thanks for your time and insights. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.